Good morning, good morning everyone. Good to see you all. Welcome to the service and uh, welcome to December. It's, uh, it's, I know it's December last weekend, but it's still warm out there and I'm not complaining at all. It's great. If you're joining us for the first time, if you please stop by the Welcome Center and let us welcome you officially. We have a gift for you and things like that. If you're joining us online for the first time, scan that QR code and let us know you're out there listening and watching. Always is an encouragement to us to hear from you. Blankets for the nursing home are no longer needed. We can remove that slide. We asked for 50. You gave us 100 plus. So thank you very much. We are excited about that. Chuck's class is real excited because they get to wrap them all this afternoon. So uh, uh, they're thrilled about that. But anyway, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, our cantata is December the 17th. That is next Sunday, if you're trying to keep track of that, in the evening service, 6 o'clock. So invite somebody to come with you. Uh, be here at 6 o'clock, ready for the uh, choir cantata. Looking forward to that. We have two services on Christmas Eve. The Sunday morning service will be a regular type of Sunday morning service. No Sunday school, just a morning service, moving the time to a 10 o'clock hour for two reasons. One, to help you remember that we're doing things differently. And two, just to make it convenient to mix those uh, times so that you can have more time with family uh, you know, for that afternoon. And then in the evening service, we always, uh, our evening service for Christmas Eve is a little bit different than a lot of churches. It's, it's Christmassy in that we sing a lot of Christmas songs. I like to say it as it's our family gathering. We literally, if we could, and we might just do this this year, uh, pull the piano right out to the middle of the floor, right here, Everybody just kind of gathers around the piano, like you know how you do with a family, and you just kind of sing songs and tell stories and laugh and cry and that kind of stuff. That's what we do. Uh, that's our Christmas Eve service, and so uh, we invite you to participate in that. If you want to do a special, I need to know. I'd prefer to know today, but I need to know by next Sunday at least. Uh, if you want to volunteer someone else to do a special, they need to know, and I need to know. All right, You're welcome to do that. You can volunteer people, and I see mom pointing already. That's great. We'll put them up there. But uh, they need to know, and I need to know. We'll get them. And it's, I mean, honestly, this is, we've had everything from, we've had, uh, we've had, you know, five-year-olds get up and play jingle bells. Uh, and it's adorable. You understand? It's what the holiday season is all about. So it's just, and we've had everything from that to someone spectacularly singing Messiah, where's she at? Is she going to do that again this year? Uh, she is, because I'm going to put her down. But anyway, that's Miss Rachel. Uh, that's Miss Rachel. So uh, just letting you know, so that, those kinds of things. All right. And then uh, the IFBF men's meeting is coming up on January the 13th. That is, uh, we'll leave here at 7.30. All right, we'll leave. Did that get us there in time, Brett? Leave here at 7.30? All right. Leave here at 7.30. Uh, if you're going to ride together, you're welcome to go up on your own, but it's at Grace Baptist Church in Muncie, and uh, Mark Herbs. It's a great time, guys. It really is. There's we're teenage guys all the way up, and uh, it's just a great, uh, enjoyable time. We invite you all to participate with that. See Brett or I if you uh, have any questions about that. And then our missionaries of the week are John and Sarah at an undisclosed location. Uh, let me give you some updates. Praise God. We have received our visas. Uh, and it is the, uh, the paperwork is authenticated on uh, the 27th. They purchased their tickets and will fly out of Los Angeles on November the 8th. So play, pray, please, for uh, safe travels. Uh, the, they need to get uh, their driver's license thing situation for 
that other location taken care of. So if you would pray about that as well, they would appreciate it. Uh, they were blessed to see three souls come to Christ during their furlough, and so they're excited about that as well. And uh, God has been very good to us. We look forward to what he has in store as we return. So if you would continue to pray for John and Sarah uh, for all those safety things. I've got a couple of other announcements that are not uh, there. Let me get these first. Uh, Refuge class is having a party this evening in the Fellowship Hall after the evening service. But the Chuck class is having a Christmas party this morning after the, after the morning service. You guys already know about that. Uh, and then we have a thank you note that says, Dear Church family, thank you for your prayers, cards, and flowers. At the time of our loss, we are rejoicing that Dad is in the presence of our Lord, no longer suffering Darren and Gail. So if you would remember that. Then I have a couple of other announcements. I love these kinds of things. So let's pop them up there and see what we got. Oh, look at that. Quinn Taylor Ludwig was born this week. If you did not already know that, congratulations to them. Hopefully they're watching online. There she is. She's adorable. We had two babies born this week. The other one was Claire Noel Foster, Devin Jenny's little one. So uh, congratulations to them as well. And uh, the other pregnant women are like, when's my time coming? All right, it's coming. You just have to wait. That's all I can tell you. All right, let's have the men come. We'll take up the morning offering. Encourage you to uh, give us into the nail scarred hands of our Savior. Brother Chuck, if you would ask uh, blessings for John and Sarah, uh, blessings on the offering and blessings on the service, we'd appreciate it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and are grateful to be in your presence today and fellowship with one another. Pray that you'll bless this offering as we take it, use it to further the ministry here and even around the world. We thank you for our missionaries and pray for John and Sarah that you be with them, bless them in their country, their ministering, keep them safe, and Lord, continue to bless their ministry. Thank you for other missionaries and for their service and their sacrifice. Bless our time here today. Pray that you'll work in our hearts. Lord, we need you, and we need you to show us what we need to know. We pray that you'll do that through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Great. You can come on up. I'll just be a second. I'm going to mention to you that on your way out, uh, one per family, you've been given a gift. I believe your names might be on them. And you'll have a choice of these. I don't know if you can see what it says. Maybe it's easier for you to see it on the camera. But uh, Jesus... And uh, so, anyway, uh, that's been made for you and from someone in our church, and they will uh, have those out there for you on your way out. Thank you, Pastor Brett. Come on up. All right, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to sing Joy to the World, three verses of Joy to the World this morning.
those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May the Lord prosper his word, for to he sent it. Remain standing. I think that's one of my favorite passages in all scripture. And uh, this Christmas time is an example of this, right? We celebrate the fact that we can't be separated from God's love. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for us. And uh, that's the love that he showed to us on Calvary. And I love that. It says, neither any other creature. And I think that that includes me. There's nothing I can do that can separate myself from God's love. Uh, because God loves me so much, he already sent his son to die for me. So we're going to sing three verses of Silent Night. Holy Night, remain standing as we sing.
glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my Thank you so much, Nate, for two things, for singing that song, which I love, and uh, for letting me play it. I don't uh, get to play it very much anymore, which is a good thing, by the way, but uh, Brother Jack always had me play, because he would uh, stop and talk, and he would hold notes, and he just, you know, he, and I didn't care, so, <laughs> and, uh, but all I can do is chord, as you know, so anyway, it is what it is, but, uh, oh, the... One day we won't just be remembering, you know that? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Take your Bible turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And, uh, Christmas time is here, and we're all buying gifts, at least most of you are, I would guess, buying gifts and giving gifts and all that kind of stuff. And I want to talk to you about how to give good gifts. Giving good gifts in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is going to tell us about that a little bit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or, what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, Will he give him a a ah, serpent? If ye then, being evil or being sinners, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them which ask him? Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, as we look At this passage of Scripture together, help us, Lord, to consider giving good gifts this year, that we would allow you to use us, to challenge us, to grow us up, and Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Jesus says to, as he's talking to this audience, he says, hey, listen, even even as sinners, you know how to give good gifts. And I I want to talk to you about this concept of giving good gifts this year, and I really want to talk to to moms and dads, right? Right? I know. I love spoiling my kids, and now I get to spoil my grandson. I love that. I do, I do that without apology. I, I love the concept of being able to do those kinds of things. But in the end, if all we do is give gifts, and we don't give good gifts, uh, we're going to be in trouble. They're going to be in trouble. We want to learn how to give good gifts. And, and Jesus said, even you know how to give good gifts unto your children. I want to talk to you about that concept of a good gift. 
In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this, verse 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that ye may be comforted together with, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. So here the Apostle Paul says, listen, I want to give a spiritual gift. And I want to challenge us parents to give spiritual gifts. I'm not suggesting that you have to take your toys back. Don't, you know, go ahead. Keep that going. It's fine. Keep the underwear and the socks and the stockings. That's good. They need all that stuff. But the issue is whether or not we're going to give good gifts. See, Jesus said, my Father knows how to give good gifts to you. And now, while we once were unredeemed, now we are redeemed. We are children of God. And we understand this concept better than ever before. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, teaching us, showing us how this is to be done. And so the challenge is to give spiritual gifts unto our kids. What might we give to our kids this year that would be eternal in its nature, that would be lasting? What might we give to our kids, to our grandkids, that would go beyond, you know, the day? I mean, how many of you have bought a gift and it's broken before Christmas night? Right? I mean, you, you buy it and it's already busted. Uh, you, you got it and it wasn't, maybe it wasn't the quality you thought it was going to be. You know, once it's out of the package, isn't it amazing how good they make things look uh, on, on the commercial and uh, then, you know, it's out of the package, and it's just it's not what you thought it was. Uh, well, you know, the reality is everything that we give to our kids that's not a spiritual in nature, everything that we give to our grandkids that's not spiritual in nature, moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. That's the reality of it. Uh, there's nothing we're going to give them that's going to last unless we bring it from this world and place it onto a spiritual plane, right? We've got we to not just focus on the things of this world. Uh, he, the Apostle Paul said, I long to impart to you some spiritual gift. I want to talk to you about imparting some spiritual gifts. This is going to be very practical, just me just talking to you about how that we might, we might uh, just come, come away this year with giving our kids more than we've ever given them before by focusing on the things that are truly important. This morning in Sunday school class, uh, I'm not going to say... Who, but uh, you know, we, we in our Sunday school class right now we're discussing parenting skills, right? And, and so the idea is, somebody said, you know, one of the, one of my goals is not to be like my parents um, because they their their view was that their parents were not doing this in a godly fashion, and that's and that's a legitimate thing, right? If 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 we weren't raised in a godly home, then we don't want to just duplicate what we had, right? We want to go beyond that. We've now been empowered by the Spirit of God to do beyond that. And by the way, even as Christians, I raised my kids in a Christian home, and I hope my kids do a far better job with their children than I did. You understand? I mean, we all want more for that next generation, I hope. So I want to talk to you about the idea of some spiritual gift that we could impart what could we impart to our children that would be helpful? You're going to help me on this, on this uh, sermon. I like these kinds of sermons because, you know, uh, I, I let the sermon kind of just go where you take it. And uh, then I feel like that it's the Holy Spirit of God doing a work that... Because if I say, say what I think, you know, then I have a tendency, if, just like everybody, to, put my, put a, to get the box, right? 
this is what I say, and I said the same thing last week, and I said the same thing the week before, because it's my hobby horse if I'm not careful. So, let's talk for a moment. We're going to give to our kids, to our grandkids this year, let's say, and I know it may be a little bit too late for Christmas, all right? But let's say next Christmas, we're going to set some goals. And I want to impart character to my grandson. You help me here. What would be a character trait that you would like to see lived out in the life of your children or your grandchildren? Give me one. Gratitude. Gratitude is a big one, right? I mean, we live in an ungrateful society. Do you agree? So there's an old illustration about uh, gratitude. You've heard me say this before, but uh, it's an old illustration. So mommy's walking down the street with Johnny, and, and this man comes up and gives Johnny an apple. And mom says, Johnny, what do you say to the nice man? And Johnny says, peel it. <laughs> That's kind of the society in which we live, right? It's like we're never content with what we've got. And we give things to people, and they're, they're, they're demanding, not, not even asking. They're demanding more. I mean, it's like, who do you think you are only giving me this? Uh, and boy, if we could impart gratitude. Now, help me here. Don't make this hard, because the end of the sermon is, is this part of it. So let's just kind of put it all together. How do I impart gratitude to my kids? By being an example, by having it, right? So that means, guys, when your wife fixes dinner... Again? <laughs> it's burnt. Shame on your sorry face. Right? How do we do this? How do we impart this spiritual gift? We be an example of the believer, right? We learn gratitude ourselves. When someone lets us go, you know, first and, you know, while we're driving, we don't have to turn this into a driving competition, guys. We can be thankful. Our kids pick up on what we're doing. Our grandkids pick up on what we're doing. So gratitude. Wouldn't it be great to have a, a, grat, a grateful society? We don't have it. We don't have it. Uh, and right now, here's what's really bad. Because we are so ungrateful as a society, we're willing to let the government pick up the slack. And now we're becoming ungrateful, and lazy. Does this bode well for our country? Does this bode well for your grandkids? How are we going to fix this? Be an example. All right. What's another one? Give me another character trait that you'd like to impart, a spiritual gift you'd like to impart to your kids or grandkids. What would it be? Whew, there's a bunch of them. I heard one over here. What was it? Integrity. Integrity is an interesting word, right? The, the Bible actually uses the word integrity in the, in the Proverbs, uh, and it's this life of integrity. So when we use the word integrity today, it's often used in the context of a building. So we say that a building has integrity. What do we mean? Structural soundness. It means that it will hold up with the tornado, it will hold up against the earthquake, it has, it, has, it has the good bones, right? It has the, in, the inward stuff that's going to allow it to stand when the going gets tough. 
Do you think your kids or your grandkids might need some integrity at some point in their lives? The ability to stand against the storms of life. The ability not to waver when the winds come, when the waves come. The Bible says without this integrity, we become you know, as, as a wind or as a ship tossed about by the sea. Right? We're, we're lacking integrity. We become that house that's built upon the sand and instead of the house that's built upon the rock. So this is a little bit different. This isn't so much being an example because I can fake integrity. What does it take to have integrity? Say it again. Okay, that's what it's going to look like, but what does it take to get there? Okay, see, listen up. This is important. This is good stuff. So, if the integrity of the building is what the building is made out of and what the building is built upon, how do I have integrity in my life? I, first of all, build my life on what? What is the solid rock besides Jesus Christ, the Word of God? Am I living my life by the principles of the Word of God? Do I make the decisions that I make for myself, for my family, based upon the Word of God? Because that's how I'm going to have integrity. And then I'm going to let the Word of God change me from the inside out. Because I don't want to just have fake integrity, right? Fake integrity means that you, know, you, can take, you can take poor quality materials and make it look like the house is good. Have you ever had to deal with a house that wasn't built right? The builder didn't do it right? And invariably, that builder has usually gone out of business and you can't get anything done to fix it, right? And here you are, there it is, it just lacks integrity. This is, this is not something that we just we live out an example of. This is something we become. We've got to really, this is a big deal. If I want to pass integrity on to my kids, the ability to withstand the storms of life. By the way, how do I know if I've got integrity? Well, think back to the last storm we went through. The last time you faced something really difficult. Were things crumbling around you? Think about this for a moment. How do we respond to the difficulties of life? Because if life is knocking us down constantly, then we're going to raise kids and grandkids who lack integrity. You know the best thing I can do for my kids is to give a spiritual gift. Uh, keep buying the gifts. I don't really care about the gifts. The gifts are irrelevant to me. right? I, I want you to spoil your kids. I'm going to spoil my kids. That's just the way it is. But in the doing... Let's give the things that are important. Give me another one. I heard several of them being shown. What was it? Respect. Respect. Now listen up. Got to be careful here. Sometimes, in the name of Christ, we show disrespect. Sometimes us preachers, because we like the hallelujahs and the amens. And, and we all of a sudden are showing disrespect for our government. Disrespect for people who are, who are trapped in sinful lifestyles. And we stand up and preach something about them. Amen! 
And all of a sudden, we just get going. We get going. And we're saying things that Christ would not have said. You know what Christ said? Hey, let's eat lunch together. Let me show you what God's love looks like. That's what Christ said. We show disrespect. You know, I mean, have you ever gone through like the reels on Instagram? You probably shouldn't. Um, have you ever gone through some of those reels on Instagram? Some of them are hilarious and they'll just make you laugh. And some of them are hilarious, but you know you shouldn't be laughing. Because they're disrespectful. They wouldn't be coming from God. You know, when God looks at me, he sees, hear this out, that adulterous woman that was brought to Christ, that's us. You know that, right? That's us. That's us. And she was being treated with disrespect by the crowd. What did Jesus do? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. How are we going to teach respect if all of our jokes are disrespectful? How are we going to teach respect when every other thing coming out of our mouth is slamming this group and slamming that group and criticizing that one and criticizing that one? Where does respect show up? say, well, pastor, I want to stand against sin. So do I. What's that got to do with being disrespectful? What does that have to do with being disrespectful? It's a big deal. Remember when the apostle Paul um, spoke out and he did not know that he was speaking to the high priest? Remember his response was, I'm sorry, I did not know I was speaking to the high priest. You understand? What he was saying was true. It had nothing to do with the truth. It had to do with an attitude that was being portrayed. Being respectful. I like this. Give me two more. Give me another one. Say it again. Being a servant. Oh. I want to teach my kids and my grandkids what life is all about. It's not about people serving you. Why do, they, why do they think that, by the way? Because, have you ever seen kids, like, they never do this, literally, teenagers, but they do this in their attitude, snap their fingers, like, come on, Mom. You know? <laughs> Speaking of those reels, that, those reels that are out there, <laughs> I came across one, I showed it to Melody yesterday, and it's not one you should watch, it's, uh, it, but... This girl says something she shouldn't have said to her grandmother, and the reel goes black. And then the next thing you know, it's like the reel is kind of coming back into vision, and Grandma says she's coming too. Oh yeah, <laughs> you forgot I'm old school. <laughs> I thought that was, that's hilarious. <laughs> it was like oh man, uh, because. We're not here to be served. In fact, if that's what you think, you are literally, Jesus said it, not me, get mad at him, the lowest on the totem pole. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. 
How do I teach my kids to be servants? Get up, turn the game off, do the dishes. Let your wife sit down for a while. Turn the Hallmark movie on. Say, you watch that, I'll do the dishes. Why? Because I'm here to serve, not to be served. That's why. And in the doing of it, you say to your kids and your grandkids, hey, you come help me. Mamaw did all that work to get us fed. We're going to do the dishes. Amen, ladies? <laughs> you get the idea? I mean, it's not as hard as it sounds, but when we say, this is what I want to do, I want to impart a spiritual gift, that becomes my goal. And by the way, can I give you a really good thing about this, guys? You don't have to take your wallet out for it. I'm not going to say it doesn't cost anything. It does. It costs you your life. Because if anyone will keep his own life, he'll lose it. But if he'll lose his own life, he'll gain the world. Gain his own soul. It's worth it. But it doesn't cost us anything. But we need to be servants. All right, one more. What was, it? what was the last one? What was it? Holiness. Whew. That's a high one. Holiness. But here's what the Bible says. Be holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. So is holiness God's expectation? Then is holiness a legitimate goal for us to want to pass on to our kids and our grandkids? Now listen, hear me out. We're not talking about coats and ties. Do you understand? This does not make me holy. It does not. This does not make you holy. That's not how it works. We're talking about our life, our heart. We're talking about a willingness to submit ourselves to the truth of God's Word, to let God's Word be the driving force of what we're doing. Dad, if we don't make God's Word a priority, then this is the way it works. It's not, this is not pretty. If we're here and living what's the word I'm with? without the power of, of God, all right? Our kids will be here, not here. Take the power of God to go beyond where we can ever be. And if we're living a mediocre Christian existence, then the expectation is not, because it's, it's, this, is a, this is a matter of science, right? It's called, uh, what's that, um, what's that word, scientific word that means everything's getting worse and worse? Entropy, thank you. It's called entropy. Without the infusion of the power of God, we're sinking, not raising up. Contrary to what science wants you to believe, we're not evolving into something better. We are, you know, evolution is a reality in that we're devolving into something worse constantly. We're, it's entropy. And unless God infuses us with his power, we're sinking, not swimming. It has nothing to do with our salvation. We'll be saved so as by fire, right? If there's nothing left after the, after the burning... But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is enough. 
But what are we passing on to our kids and our grandkids? The Word of God has got to have a priority for us, and it's got to have a priority in such a way that it shows up with power, that it's actually doing something. If the expectation is that we're going to pass this on to our kids and our grandkids. Does that make sense? Paul says, I would like to impart something, a spiritual gift, to you. And I want us dads to think about it that way. And uh, I will tell you that person who, uh, who uh, spoke up in Sunday school class, I thought to myself, they're going to have a tough time with the poem that we're going to end with. It's an old poem. You've heard it before, but let's, uh, we'll get to it in just a second. Let me ask you this question. What do you think your kids would choose? Football or service? Hunting or honoring others, mom and dad? Games or generosity? Independence or becoming a good listener? Sports or fairness? Keep filling in the blank. I mean, whatever, right? And we're talking about we're talking about character. What have we done for our kids thus far? What, what choices would our, are our kids making? We're watching it. What choices are they making? Are we imparting spiritual gifts? That's the question. You know what you can't do, guys? You can't beat character into your kids. I can prove that from the Scripture. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Right? You can't beat it into them. You have to be that example of the believer. Here's the poem, we're done. Walk a little plainer, Dad, said a little voice so frail. I'm following in your footsteps and I don't want to fail. Sometimes your steps are very plain. Sometimes they're hard to see, so walk a little plainer, Dad, for you are leading me. I know that once you walked this way many years ago, and how you made it safely through, I'd really like to know. For sometimes, when I'm tempted... I don't know what to do, so walk a little plainer, Dad, for I must follow you. Someday, when I'm grown up, you are, want, you are like I want to be. Then when I have a little boy, then I will have a little boy who will want to follow me. And I would like to lead him right and help him to be true. So walk a little plainer, Dad, for we must follow you. Head by eyes closed, please. Kindness, understanding, empathy, compassion, caring, humility, adaptiveness, honesty, forgiveness, responsibility, patience, loving, reliable, positive, courageous, Persevering, encouraging, polite, considerate, a leader, self-control, we can keep going. What are we imparting to our kids? Apostle Paul said, I want to give you something that's really important. I want to impart a spiritual gift. So this Christmas, let's not forget the important things. Walk a little plainer, Mom. Walk a little plainer, Dad. Our kids, our grandkids, our followers. Father, teach us 
this season to give the important things. Forgive us for just buying into the world's commercial concept of Christmas. Help us, Lord, to impart to our children, our grandkids. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. You say, Pastor John, I know I'm a Christian. That's not the issue. I know I'm on my way to heaven. That's not the issue. But, Pastor, I have to be honest. I find it easy to focus on the, the materials side of Christmas. But I don't want to let another year go by that I fail to think through imparting a spiritual gift. Pastor, would you pray for me that these next 12 months I'll be focusing on these things so that my kids and my grandkids can step up that their lives. And I'm not suggesting that you're not doing any of this. I'm just suggesting that we need to make it a focus. Say, Pastor, that's where I'm at. I want to make that my focus. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for your hands all over the place. Thank you. You may put them down. Maybe it is. Maybe somebody's here. You say, Pastor, the reality is I know I'm a Christian, but my parents, my grandparents, they've been trying. They have been. They're trying to give me the things that are important. But I've been pushing it off, pushing them away, saying no. Pastor, I want to focus on receiving a spiritual gift. Pastor, would you pray that my heart would be tender enough to respond that way, to be receptive to the spiritual gift that God has for me? Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Thank you. I know this is a tough one. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else? Father, teach us your way. May we walk in it. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The altar is open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way. Would you as we sing together? Sunday evening, next Sunday evening is the cantata, six o'clock, and then after the cantata service, we will have our sing-along, right? We always just do kind of a Christmas sing-along, and whoever you bring to the cantata is welcome to join us. Uh, we'll have some of my uh, my mom's world-famous hot cocoa. It's real cocoa, real sugar, real whole milk. It's horrible for you, but it tastes delicious. And uh, you'll enjoy it, and then we'll have whatever snacks you bring to uh, 
just uh, share along with us, and we'll just sing some songs and and, uh, and just enjoy that together. That'll be next Sunday night after the church service. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. Don't forget your gift on the way out. God bless you. You are dismissed.